Welcome to The Real Look. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. We're so excited to introduce this episode's Northern Lights guest, Sonia Huntsman with Keller Williams, Sun Valley, Southern Idaho. Sonia got her real estate license in 1995 and jumped from Windermere to Keller Williams Realty to learn how to run her own business. Through KW education and trainings, her growth catapulted her to build a small but mighty real estate team in the resort town of Sun Valley. In 2022, her team closed $36 million in volume. These days, Sonia is all about building wealth for her family and allowing those on her team to realize their dreams, which has quickly become the most fulfilling part of her job. Please enjoy this conversation with Sonia Huntsman. Well, g'day, Sonia. Welcome to The Real Look. Where does today's podcast find you? Today's podcast finds me in Sun Valley, Idaho. It's a ski resort in central Idaho, and we are loaded with snow right now. Oh, yeah. Beautiful Sun Valley, and it is awesome there. Well, Sonia, we all typically have a journey prior to real estate. So what's your story? I have done real estate for a really long time. I grew up as a ski racer out of the Lake Tahoe area. I went to college, ski raced during college, and when I moved out here, I became a ski instructor. What was the decision to move into real estate a really long time ago? (laughs) (laughs) I made the decision to move into real estate when I decided that living here had a high cost of living and I needed to figure out a way to live the lifestyle I wanted in this area that I call home. It's family, right? My mom has been in the real estate business since 1980. She said, if I can do it here in Tahoe, you can do it there in Sun Valley. Do you think that getting into the real estate industry in a resort type of market like that is any different than getting into the business elsewhere? And what was your experience specifically? That's a great question. I I do think it's different. Part of it is that it's a small town. So pretty much every realtor knows everybody in town. And so we have a, a lot of overlap kind of doing that dance between the agents and respecting each other and and also pursuing a big life with selling a lot of properties. You have to be cognizant, for lack of a better word, about those relationships. And also just the demographics, right? Like when I go to events, people are talking about how there's like about 1,200 sales per month and we average about 1,200 sales per year for our entire MLS. So just different numbers. And so when you first got into the business, where were you finding buyers and sellers? So initially when I was finding buyers and sellers, it was people that I knew, you know, contacts from ski school or just friends. And so I was doing a lot of first-time home buyer sales in the South County, which is Haley and Bellevue. As I became more skilled, I started going into more of the luxury sales and higher-end sales in condos, townhomes, and homes in the resort area around Sun Valley. So, I mean, as a ski racer, I assume you're uh, naturally competitive. (laughs) Your assumption is correct. (laughs) How does that show up for you in real estate? I think what it does is it, it shows up in real estate with the focus. It's like if there's a focus of something that I do well, I will keep doing it. If there's a focus of something I don't know how to do or don't do well, and it's important to me, then I start focusing on that kind of like an E to P move, right? For instance, one of my focuses a few years back was how to excel in understanding my profit and loss and knowing my numbers. And I went from really not knowing how to work through that to now on a monthly basis, sharing with my coach, 
my numbers, my percentages, if I'm profitable and how we're doing. And so that is where that competitive focus comes in is like, if that's important to me, I'm going to tackle it and get it done. Oh, I love that. And I can totally see that because I imagine that's what you do when you're racing, right? You're trying to, you know, fix your turns or, you know, get your speed up. And it is a focus thing. I love that idea around focus. And that's ultimately what gives us the freedom. So talk to us about that. You you mentioned this concept of E2P. And what does that really mean for you? What it means for me is when I first start with something, again, if it's something I'm not familiar with or something that I'd like to know more, at first, it's just a blank slate. Like what what's happening? What are the pieces to the puzzle? And then through accountability and through focus, I put together a plan to figure out how to excel at that and be really skill-based about it. So you mentioned accountability and focus, and I'm just taking that as a note here. That's so good. A lot of times people hear the word accountability. It's not their favorite word, but it seems to me that you understand that it's actually really valuable to you. So what does that look like in your world? How do you apply accountability and how might you suggest others do the same? It is very valuable. Accountability is. I think the biggest thing for me when I started into this accountability path with my coach was realizing that I actually have to be accountable to myself and not to my coach. My coach is helping me through that journey. But ultimately, if I say I'm going to do something and I get it done, then I'm accountable and I'm seeing the numbers follow that as a lag measure. The coach is my guide, right? And helping me through what I deem important. And that's where I found the success. I love that you shared that. I had a coach tell me one time that you can't hold unaccountable people accountable. And so it starts internally. I think that's a good nugget for our listeners to latch on to if they're considering coaching or thinking about what accountability can look like first starts here, right? I wanted to ask you about, you talked ultimately about kind of moving up market into the luxury space. And I know that that is something that is of interest to a lot of realtors in the industry, right? Raising their average price point, even if they're not in a resort type market. You mentioned that it was as your skill developed, you began kind of moving up market. But what did you do specifically? Was there anything that you applied accountability and focus to to start listing some more of those luxury type properties? I think it was just the consistency of the marketing that I was doing. As I grew my database, more people were in that luxury realm and they would see the products that I was putting out there. And so as I did that, then they would ask questions. Then I had to change my skill set into learning that market. And as I started learning that market, I was able to talk intelligently with confidence and be able to move the ball forward. And so that's pretty much like anything, right? If you put a focus on wanting that higher price point, you have to know the market. You have to know the numbers. You need to talk with confidence. So how do you do that? What do you do tactically to know the market and know the numbers and be able to be confident in the market? What do you do? Each week we have a huddle with our team and we discuss the market. We talk about different parts of the market and what's affecting it so that we have that dialogue. So it is a weekly dialogue and script that we go through with our team in order to build that muscle. So I look at the market, but we also have to be seeing the market. So every opportunity that I can see listings and learn about the different complexes that we deal with here, all of those pieces put together, and then just having the years of experience about the confidence and what we talk about and how we talk about it. I think for younger agents, that building of confidence 
at least for me, was the longest thing that came around. Everything else is something that you can do in a really purposeful way. Talking with confidence, you have to do it a lot. You have to talk a lot. Now, Sonia, in Sun Valley, the number of realtors are only second to the number of people with a driver's license. It's a small market and you've experienced a tight inventory market. How does that all work there with that community of realtors? Well, it really works in a way, I guess, to an advantage for some of us because we do have the strength and the skill to know the market of the moment. And because of that, we're able to still have those conversations, not shy away because of market conditions and get our unfair share. And you mentioned your team a couple of times. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like structurally. How many folks are involved in that business and how much business did you guys do collectively last year? So our team is actually changing a little bit as we speak. We now have four agents and two operations. We are in the process of adding one more operations side and one more agent. Last year, we sold right above $36 million in volume. And the year before was just under $45 million in volume. Wow, that's incredible. Now a brief word from our sponsors. Stick around. With Keller's successful career opportunities in real estate, also known as K-Score, we now live in a world where education is affordable, accessible, and students don't have to worry about financial constraints or the confinement of a physical classroom. K-Score is the first of its kind as a national, fully digital real estate training program. Keller Williams teamed up with Kaplan Real Estate Education to offer state-approved pre-licensing curriculum for aspiring real estate agents and continued real estate education credits for existing agents. Find out what K-Score offerings are available in your state by visiting kwnwr.com slash K-Score and jumpstart your real estate career today. Talk to me about what it was like selling as an individual agent at some point in your career and now why you made this transition into working with and succeeding through others. Working as a sole agent, I actually felt like I was good at a lot of things. I was good at transactions. I was good at my marketing. I was consistent. I was good, pretty good at talking with people. I think my forte was really buyers at that time and not having the confidence with the listings. As I evolved into a team, I realized even though I might be good at something to leverage off pieces that are highly time consuming to allow me to build that muscle of confidence working with sellers and getting listings was why the shift was so great. I'm just wondering, so as Chase said, right, transitioning from an individual to a team gives you leverage of time, right? Ultimately, that's the big plus. When did you do that? How long have you had a team in place? The journey started about 2009. And that's when I knew nothing about it. And I fell on my face a few times. I went through some permutations being part of an expansion team and then going back to having my own team. And through that learning curve, I was able to really establish what was important and have clarity about what our team values were. And that's why it's been so successful in the last few years. I love that. You are in a competitive market. So how do you and and your team, the Elevate team, how do you separate yourself from everybody else? What would you say are the key things that you bring to the table with your clients? 
So as you just mentioned, the team name, the Elevate team, our tagline is to elevate your real estate experience. So one of the things that we do is we do go the extra mile for our clients. So if it's, you know, making sure that they have a cup of coffee in the middle of their move and going by and checking in on them or making the calls to get the vendors out there on their behalf, if their second homeowners are away from the area homeowners. Those are the things that we do that set us apart. People really appreciate the ease and the lack of bumps in our transactions. I assume then that you're really sort of customizing that experience to your clients. How do you Mm -hmm. do that at scale? I mean, you guys closed 50 units last year. So we just use our systems, right? Like we have checklists. We go through those checklists. Really, the price point of the clients doesn't mean the checklist changes necessarily. We're going through those checklists. We're taking good care of them because you never know who you're going to know. Like one person could be in a lower price point, but they could be helping a person who has a higher price point. And all of a sudden, a referral comes in and you're taking care of them and they're going to get the same level of care. So we take care of our people regardless of their price point. And does the majority of your business still come through sphere of influence or have you added additional sources as the size of the business has grown over the years? A majority of it is sphere of influence. We are beginning to add in ISA, different sources that way in order to gain more market share. But if you look at our numbers, over 80% of our business is from sphere of influence or referrals. Now, that sphere of influence, Sonia, do they all live there full time in Sun Valley or do you have a large segment that winter or summer somewhere else? It's a mixed bag. So there is a large part of it that live here in town. And actually something that's different for us that we do is we actually, when we're reaching out to our people, we have sphere in, meaning they live in town and we have sphere out and they're like second homeowners or people who love and know the area. If they are part of that group, they get a separate and secondary marketing to make sure that they know we're here. How do you communicate with your sphere? I mean, what do you do? Is it emails, mail, phone calls? We do a monthly newsletter. We have client appreciation events. We have a coat drive to help our community and bring people in that way to be able to see and network with them. We have business-to-business networking with allied resources, and we do touch base with our database as much as we can. A lot of our markets that we operate in, I've experienced quite a bit of a shift over the last nine months or so. How have you experienced that in Sun Valley, and how are you tackling that from the perspective of market share, like you said? That's a good question. I would say that our shift was maybe short. It was probably from October 15th until about the 8th of January specifically. What happened is is during those holiday times, it just got quiet. It was kind of that, that perfect storm of high interest rates and people were busy with their families and they were traveling or having experiences and memories being built here, but they were not interested in talking about real estate. So all of our phones got really quiet. We thought they might've been broken, but they weren't. Um, so then in order to tackle that, It was kind of like this renewed energy at the beginning of the year to be like, let's act like a ski racer. Let's tackle this. Let's put some focus on this and do what we say we're going to do. So the way I track our numbers year to date now, we're about 24% of the way through the year and we're 28% of goal right now. So we're tracking ahead. I love the fact that you said it was October 15th through January 8th, that you're that specific. You know, that tells me that you are tracking your numbers to know what's going on there. So again, you're a resort market. So is your season different 
Do you think than other markets that aren't resorts? I think a little bit. People get really hung up on this end of winter going into spring, like, oh, I don't want to list until spring. I want the flowers out. This year, it'll probably be in July when that happens. One of our suggestions is to be different than what the market says. So if people want to list in the spring, we're saying let's list in mid-March to mid-April and be one of the few choices that are new. And as soon as they pop, we seem to get them higher prices and a faster result. When you think about your business and what it's evolved through, Sonia, and looking out into the future, if you will, on whatever time horizon you would pick, what are you most excited about at this point in your successful career? I'm just really proud of like where I am in my journey. That pride is coming from the fact that I am attracting people to my team instead of going after people to get on my team that I have a path into the future, you know, as my kids graduate from high school and, you know, where we're going and how we're going to move into that next chapter, how things are set up that my team can still function and eventually I can have more time off. Awesome. Love that. You've got leverage in your world now. And I'm very clear in my own mind that the reason people do business with us is not because of our charming personalities, but because of the standards that we adhere to. I've witnessed this time and time again, that the teams who are successful, they carry those standards across the team. How do you, one, articulate that and how do you hold people accountable to that? It's kind of top of mind with everything that we do. It's kind of like if our marketing is going out, is it an elevated marketing piece? If our conversations are being had between other clients or other realtors in the area, are we treating them with respect and elevating their experience? So everything comes back to that tagline of elevating your real estate experience. And everybody on our team has bought into it. I think that's where the cohesion of our team comes in is that we all really care about the income. We all really care about each other and everybody's success within it. I like to ask this question, and that is knowing what you know today, if you were to go back and talk to your younger self, thinking about getting into real estate, what would your advice be? I would say do it a thousand percent and do it with what I've learned over the past years, right? So what I mean by that is get in, do what you say you're going to do, have some fire in your belly, get after it and learn the three most important parts of real estate, which in my mind, you need to know the market, you need to know your forms and you need to know people. And if you have those three things, you're going to be successful and get after it. Love that. Well, I tell you, this has been a real treat for us today, Sonia. It always is. I love visiting with you. It's been way too long since I've been to Sun Valley. I've got to get back out there. I just want to say to any of our listeners, if you've got referrals for anywhere in the Sun Valley, Ketchum, Idaho, Haley, Blaine County, that whole area, if you've got any referrals, look no further than Sonia Huntsman and the Elevate team. We'll have Sonia's contact information in the show notes. Again, Sonia, thank you so much. This has been a treat for us today. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Add a renovation solution to your business with Keller Offers ready to sell. Through this program, you can help prepare a client's house for the market with renovation, all while avoiding any upfront costs. This could be replacing the old dirty carpet with updated flooring or even just a fresh coat of paint. There are both credit-based and equity-based options available for homeowners, and the renovation cost is repaid with the proceeds of the home sale. Especially in a shifting market, it's important to stand out and have options. Get ready to sell certified for free and add this additional tool to your tool belt by visiting app 
www.kelleroffice.com. Well, Chase, that was awesome. I think Sonia's the first ex-ski racer that we've had the opportunity to interview. So what were some of your takeaways from that conversation? Bruce, first of all, I just so appreciate her commentary around this idea of being intentional, right? And she shared the concept of E to P, which is, of course, entrepreneurial into being purposeful, another word for intentional. And she talked about specifically two areas that help her move along that pathway, and that's accountability and focus. I think that word accountability is so, so important when it comes to being successful in anything in life, but certainly in the real estate industry. And we find that it means something very different depending on who you're talking to. And Sonia kind of outlined this idea of accountability being mostly personal and internal, right? Accountable to yourself, accountable to your goals, accountable to the things you say you're going to do. And then, of course, adding in some additional layers like a coach, I found that to be very instructive, Bruce, that if you're not first accountable to you and what you want to accomplish, it would be hard for anyone else to support you on that journey. And that's clearly one of the big difference makers for her. And it's interesting because you see this in athletes and other people who come from competitive backgrounds, right? As she was talking about that, it made me think of, you know, when you're up on the mountain and you see those young kids who are in the race programs, right? I mean, there's a lot of discipline around that and what they practice and what they have to do. Oh, and by the way, they all have coaches. Again, we know this, right? Top performers in any field have a coach. And we see this and we hear this time and time again from the interviews we have. And, you know, I love those three things that she said was so important, right? Know the market, know the forms, and know people. Really, she distilled that down to the essence, right, of what we do. Yep. And by knowing those three things, right, she said that can offer some confidence that allows you to get after it, in her words, right? And that's that four-letter word that we don't want anyone who desires to be successful to forget, W-O-R-K. There's going to be a fair amount of that that's required. And so having confidence behind that is important. I like that she shared her kind of methodology, again, very intentional, around moving up market. Obviously, she's in a resort community, but she shared that when she started out, she was working in the South Valley, first time homebuyer-ish, and then eventually moved up to the more luxury properties. And she did that by becoming an expert on those properties, right? An expert on studying the market, and she would have regular conversations about the market. She was also really present with the inventory and understanding what was happening with those higher-end type properties. And then even being very intentional with her marketing around those type of properties. So others would see that she was and was becoming an expert in that particular area. I think that's good advice for anybody who's wanting to move up market or to a higher price point, wherever they sell real estate. There is a way to do that. And the main way is to actually become the expert. I love that too, because I've always believed that real estate is a scratch and sniff business. And you you need to get out there and you need to know the inventory. You need to do it physically, right? If you look today, where do most people, consumers, how do they preview homes? Well, they do it online. How do most realtors preview homes? Oh, online. So basically what you're saying is the realtor doesn't know any more about the property, basically, than the consumer does. You know, you can tell that she gets out there and she is physically in the marketplace. The other thing I thought was really interesting, and she didn't say this per se in exact words, but it was really evident, is that her team 
the reason they perform so well and they do so well together is they're attracted to her values and her mission. And again, that's why we talk about that. Getting great clarity around your values can help attract the right people so that you can provide that same level of service across your organization. Yeah. And Sonia is certainly an example of developing new skills as a business owner after she moved from selling real estate individually and frankly, at a successful level even then. And one of the ways that we do that as business owners is we know our numbers. And she gave a few examples of that. One was in understanding her P&L and her financials at a high level, knowing her numbers where that wasn't something she'd done before. Another was in knowing to such a specific degree, who her clientele is. She has sphere of influence inside the local market and sphere of influence outside the local market and is able to tweak and adjust the follow-up and marketing accordingly. She also talked about just tracking their numbers toward the pursuit of their goals, right? She gave the percentage of where they're at year to date compared to their annual goal. So again, I think it's a good reminder for us that As we move from being individual successful salespeople into what we want to be is just successful business people, there's oftentimes another layer or level of skill that we have to get focused on and have accountability around, just like she shared with us. Yeah, the fact that, you know, she's trending already. So we're 24% away through the year and she's at 28% a goal. And understanding and knowing that, what that says to me, Chase, is that mindset matters. Just like the rest of us are all around the country and certainly the Northwest, right? We're feeling this market, right? It's tightening, it's shrinking. We've got interest rates going up. You and I report on the news every week, right? We all know that. And yet, she's a great example that you can succeed regardless of the market. You can beat your goals regardless of the market. That was really a great note for her to leave us on. Couldn't agree more. Next week's Northern Lights guest is Pam Waldman with Keller Williams Portland Premier in Portland, Oregon. We'll see you next week on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.